0: Good morning, everybody. I'm uh, Maria. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. It's good to be home. This, not exactly this room, but this location is where I got abstinent and, uh, you know, really started practicing the principles as laid out in this book. And that was about, it'll be January 18th will be seven years, God willing. And um, it's just good to be home with my friend Kim. And uh, I, I, it's kind of funny to just jump right in to eight. Uh, I don't know where anyone is individually, so I just uh, was thinking this morning. I wanted to start out with uh, a line on, in Bill's story on page 13. He says, um, my friend promised when these things were done, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator. What are these things that he's talking about? These things are steps one through 11. And now I am entering the world of the spirit in step 12. It's to me almost like I'm just at ground zero. There's no graduation. It just gets me in the door (laughs) to the spiritual world. He says uh, that I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems. So now not just my food problem is gonna be uh, handled by God but all my problems. And this element of, of a new way of living is the step work you know as i 'm practicing i 'm learning how to do these things the first time with my sponsor, and then the rest of my life I practice you know uh, belief in a power of God plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish these this practice and maintain the new order of things this new order of things is this new way of living, this psychic change, this new way of of uh, of experiencing my emotions, my thoughts, my feelings. It's, it's just amazing. It says, uh, Bill reminds me, it's simple. This process is simple. It's not that it's hard. It's just that it's new. So it feels r- super uncomfortable. I don't like what I have to do because it's, it's everything against <laughs> what my default position is, which is selfishness. Um, but he says a price had to be paid, right? And I don't know about you when I first came in here I thought a food plan must be gotten weight must be lost and I didn't know what I was really in for you know this price has to be paid it meant destruction of self-centeredness so now my sponsor likes to remind me fight the right enemy it's not the world around you it's not it's not food it's not alcohol I have a lot of a lot of symptoms But, you know, destruction of self-centeredness is really what I'm here for, and it's a daily dying of self for me. Um, I must turn in all things to the Father of Light who presides over us all. All things, right? So um, that kind of like will kind of remind me of the work that I've been doing in one through three, where, you know, I'm powerless. By default, I must need power. And step three is the decision to go find that power in the beginning, so I'm gonna learn this new skill set, and the skill set is four through nine, which brings us up to date with a moral inventory. I need to know the causes and conditions of what, what makes me want to eat, you know, my thinking, <laughs> my emotions, uh, my attitudes, and I find that out. I share it with another woman in five. Six and seven is my powerlessness every day over my own character defects. It's never over. It's constant, you know. Constantly be showing who I am, and and asking for the willingness to, to change me. Uh, sometimes six and seven just simply looks like help, help me. Um, I'm willing to change, and uh, that brings us to eight. Do you want to talk in a little bit? Okay. So we're going to go into into action because this program is all about action. You know, I was, I was at my home, my old home group the other night, uh, and my sponsor was talking about the pain, the absolute pain of sitting in step one without taking the following actions of two through 12. To just sit in 12, knowing that you're powerless, and to not do anything about it, you know? Uh, for me, I needed to find those, those women and men that were happy, joyous, and free. They had something, they had some kind of energy that I wanted, and I wanted whatever they had, and I was so pummeled by by food and other substances, that I would have done anything that they told me to do. And um, I trusted them also. I was, in a, I was in a place where I knew what I was doing years before I re- relapsed, it wasn't working. So this had to be different this time. You know, my, my, my program had to look differently. So, um, you know, here I am. I need a sponsor, I need a guide. I need somebody that's gonna be able to show me th- Light the the way on the little path of recovery that I'm on so that it's simple. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. And it's so funny how oftentimes that's exactly what I think I want to do. <laughs> you know, I will come up with my own ideas and ways of doing things. And I don't have to do that. Just surrender to the process and somebody that you trust in the program to take you through this stuff. So 8 and 9 on page 76 says... Um, We have a list of persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. We attempt to sweep away the debris which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. That's a reminder of what I'm here for also. It's not a food plan. It's not about getting down to my goal weight. You know, this is really what I'm after here. I've got debris. It accumulated out of my effort, my will, Maria Power, right, to run this show myself. And I'm out of that I'm out of that, um, that profession now. You know, that third step prayer every morning kind of grounds me in your will, thy will, not mine be done. And it gives me my um, eighth step prayer, which is if I haven't had the willingness to do this, I ask until it comes. Anytime you see the word ask in the big book, circle it, because it's a prayer. So there's my eighth step prayer. I'm going to ask for the willingness to do these things. And um, the book is really interesting. I love going through this with somebody because there are no loopholes. I can't really find any loopholes in this in this book. Um, when I am sifting through that fourth step with a sponsee, and we're running through all those character defects that we found in there, and the harms that those then uh, caused other people, uh, it's kind of gives me a timeline which is really do this as soon as possible uh, it gives me some warnings if I don't do these things and it gives me some promises things that will happen if I when I do do these things so it's real clear but there's you know different kinds of uh, amends many different. They, it says they take innumerable forms and um, also what I like about this chapter is it gives me the posturing that I'm supposed to practice when I'm doing these amends and I sometimes need to pray for these because it doesn't come easy for me to be helpful and forgiving to not criticize or argue Um, these are these are definitely it's it's posturing that I calm frank open um sometimes I like to produce confusion and amends talk too much you know i was taught it's really simple very very simple on 79 it says i admit my fault my faults and i ask for forgiveness and i'm not owed forgiveness in step nine i am not owed any forgiveness in step nine but um you know in step eight i'm asking for the willingness and i think the willingness comes from me and the women that i've and men that i've worked with in that if you can take this eighth eighth step with a fine tooth comb and go through these paragraphs and find out do I owe an amends here? Have I done this harm in this capacity to someone? We'll have a nice we'll have a nice solid, clear um, path to move forward. And it's easier than the willingness comes because it's clear. I really wasn't I think the book says in, in four or five that I'm gonna swallow big chunks of truth about myself this is where I swallowed big chunks of truth about myself. (laughs) Sifting through there and seeing those harms, you know, and not beating myself up over them because if I had known better, I would have done better. So there's a lot of forgiveness work in in four through nine. And I think this is where I start forgiving myself and um, I can forgive God. And I don't mean just God because I don't know if I'm ever mad at God, but I'm mad at God's reality, capital R reality. I don't like how things are going. It's just not going my way, you know? And um, I was taught at the end of the the fourth step, I can go back and rewrite that second column, and all of a sudden I ask myself, who am I really mad at? I'm not mad at these people. I have forgiveness in my heart. I'm mad at myself. So then the forgiveness work happens there too, and then I can forgive reality. The first thing I need to, it, it ends up being the last thing, but the first thing, really, daily is I, I need to learn how to forgive reality, capital R. That's usually where I rail against, you know.
1: Can I not with my, one thing? Mm-hmm. So hi everyone, my name is Kim and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Okay. And uh, you know, we talk a lot about in the earlier steps about uh, you know prejudices that we have and letting go to go of old ideas. So I like to talk about that. So I had a lot of old ideas and a lot of prejudices about Step Nine too. So one of the big ones that I have written in my book is I thought step nine was just making an apology. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, I'm very good at saying I'm sorry. I can knock into a chair and say I'm sorry. Like, that's not an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wrote down the definitions for apology and amends because we're making an amends. So the definition of an apology is offering an excuse for behavior did that all the time mom i'm so sorry for the way that i treat you in front of dad and then the next day i would do the same exact thing just making an excuse but you don't understand mom life is so hard i'm a compulsive overeater you know all that stuff the definition for amends is to change for the better or correct faults and reparation or compensation for damage done that's what we're doing you know to me the way that i i personally do it is i do index cards when I make this 8th step list. So in the front of the index card is the the name of the person, the principal, or the institution. And then I write my fourth column. Because my fourth column is my harm. Now what I want to do is write the second column and say all the reasons that these people are assholes. But no, I'm writing down there because that's where my harm is. And I'm making reparations. So I wrote down the definition for that too is something that is done or given as a way of corrective correcting a mistake that you have made or a bad situation that you have caused. One of my prejudices was I thought it was about repairing relationships. That's not what this is about. I thought it would be condoning behavior. It's not about condoning behavior. It's about the fact that I want to be free. The way that I think, I mean, I grew up in Mount Laurel, I live in Mount Holly. The way that I say it is that I wanna be able to work anywhere in Burlington County without worrying about running into somebody. That to me is freedom. So those are just something that I always like to talk about in the beginning is, is what is the purpose of this? The purpose is freedom. The purpose isn't forgiveness, making people like me again. The purpose isn't that I'm gonna get my way and able to manipulate people. And it's not even about me quote unquote feeling better. It's about freedom. And that's why I think the instructions being so simple about how we approach this is so different than what I thought it was um, before OA and even in OA when I was thinking I had to repair relationships in step nine. That's what that's not what this is about.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, um, Kim, Kim definitely brought up the index card was really helpful for me. Because I am a producer of confusion naturally. If I'm a little feared up, I'm a little nervous. I'm not quite with this calm, frank, open posturing. uh, You know, I'm I'm a little all over the place. Those index cards for me kept me in my lane. It kept me, you know, focused on what I was going to actually make these amends for. And you know, um, they do take innumerable forms uh restitution is absolutely on page 78 we're going to talk about financial restitution right at this point i we i usually ask sponsees can you get your hands on a credit report what's your what's your financial situation like i had been so blind in food addiction and other substances that my money was the first thing that really got messed up i mean um ugh. So it says uh, most alcoholics owe money. We do not dodge our creditors. So the ver- very first thing I'm going to do is put my head in the sand and pretend it's not there, right? I can't dodge it anymore. I've got to be aware, and and just how bad is the situation? I'm ready. I'm ready, God. Show it to me. The thing about this paragraph that's so beautiful is um, one of the warnings here, it says, our drinking has made us slow to pay, right? But at, right after that it says, we must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go if we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. It's not that I'm afraid th- that what's going to take me out is the fear of not paying them back because I think I should have all this big lump of su- sum of money before I go to someone, mm. right? I'm never. It's probably never going to happen the fear of the creditor is what i have to avoid i have to ask god to help me with that i've got a fear prayer for that and i have to lose my fear of the creditor no matter how far i go so it's not really the fear of what i owe or facing that it's the fear of the creditor once i face the creditor i can stop running it's all out in the open they know i owe the money i owe i know they owe, i owe the money and then there are reparations that need to be made and and contracts that can be made deals that can be made you know you let them be the lead negotiator of course and then you follow through in my addiction I it it had tentacles it really reached every aspect of my life and financial aspect was the largest mess that I had to repair so bad that I don't think I could have ever done it and I was under great sponsorship my sponsor said, what are you asking me for? Why don't you ask God? Mm-hmm. And I, he trained me, kicked me back into play. You know, He didn't have to tell me how I was going to make my amends financially. Go to God in prayer and meditation, be patient, and wait. Something will expose itself. And that's exactly what happened for me. And it's an ongoing amends for me. I feel like I've taken so much out of this world monetarily, um, physically, the material stuff, Money, property, and prestige is something that is just part of my makeup. You know, I've got to drive for that. So I I have a continuing amends. I don't know if it will ever end. I think it's just something that I will always be doing because I will never be able to pay that back. So I pay it back in different other different areas that God led. Opened up, it, opened, it was divine choreography for me. The next one is criminal offenses. I've had some sponsees. Um, I had my own, my own criminal offense that uh, I was trying to buy a property. I wasn't able to buy because I had a really old, from eight, when I was 18 years old, um, issue that came up. And it just happened that I had a sponsor, a sponsor at the time who was an attorney. <laughs> and she helped me clean that. We expunged this little, you know, simple 18-year-old, you know, offense. And that was cleaned up too. It was amazing. But I do have sponsors that have big things big things and this this criminal offense area is um it's really sticky it takes a lot of prayer meditation it takes a lot of good sponsor guidance and talking to other people that have been there but um you know the one thing that it says is uh reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience and this is the first ninth step prayer we ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. I may lose my position, my standing in the, in the community or my family or my reputation or face jail, but I am willing. We have to be. We must not shrink at anything. Again, this is self-abandonment. It's not self-help. And, uh, you know, I need to stand before God, you know, with a clear conscience and um, make these reparations. The, the next one is third party involvement. If somebody else is going to be you know, affected, uh, I, there's a very, very specific way of handling that. And um, the step on the wall says, we made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. So I'm not gonna be the hasty fool that goes out making uh, amends to people when other people are gonna be hurt. And there's very specific directions for that on page 80 it tells me that um, before taking drastic action which might implicate other people I have to secure their consent if I first step obtain permission have consulted with others a sponsor or other people that might have this experience ask God to help and the drastic step is indicated that yes you should do this amends then we must not shrink it's really so simple and clear, right? But, um, you know, I think, I think this step really requires a lot of patience on, on our part, and I'm not really good at that. I want everything to be done now. Let me clean it up now. I can't clean it up now, so now I'm not gonna do anything at all. You know, and um, that all or nothing thinking is fame. I'm famous for that, you know, with my alcoholic thinking. And um, do you wanna add anything for those?
1: I just wanted to give some examples on my own, so if you want okay. to finish up, though. Go ahead. Okay. So, you know, we, in, in the fourth step, we often talk about people, institution, and principles. So I, I always like to give a couple examples um, of that. So one of the ones that confused me with, you know, injuring them or others is I was very passive-aggressive, you know, and I talked a lot about people behind their backs, and I didn't think it was appropriate to go up to someone and tell them I thought they were a bitch the last three years and talked about them not 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 the best amends so i always use my um my friend uh karen and and i I, what it was is me and this guy dennis dated for a little while we broke up and we were all in the same like social circle and he met karen and we all hated her we just talked behind her back for a variety of reasons so when i looked at where my my where was i being selfish dishonest self-seeking and frightened what i saw was even though i didn't want to date dennis anymore I really was, was jealous that he found someone so quickly and I was still single. And because of that, I was lashing out. So I had to look at where the harm was. So the number one harm was with the people that I was gossiping with. So the next time that her name came up, which didn't take long, um, I told them my fourth column that, that I was realizing now that it, just what I said to you, that it was, it was jealousy and then, you know, that I, it wasn't fair to Karen and I wasn't going to talk about her anymore. And the other thing was because I was talking in, in behind Karen's back, I had to say a compliment to her face, and it took me a while, and it couldn't be something simple like you know, Karen, you have nice shoes, and this this <laughs> this um, piece came over me, and I went up to her, her <coughs> and said, "Can I have a sip of your water?" Yes. <coughs> Ooh, swallowed the wrong way. Thank you, and I said, Karen. I want to thank you for how happy you make my friend. I've never seen Dennis as happy as he is with you, and it was true. And they're married now and have kids, and we have a great relationship. She still drives me nuts. <coughs> but you know what? She's, she's Dennis's wife, not my friend. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think everyone should, should be about me. Mm-hmm. Um, another one institution, I'm Catholic. So, of course, what do we do? We go to confession. <coughs> so I went to um, my old church, our legal Council in Morristown. And I went in there and I explained to the priest that I hadn't been to confession in like a million years. And this is what I, you know, what I was doing with a 12-step program. And he started blubbering like a freaking idiot. And I'm like, what is he saying? And all of a sudden, for those of you who aren't Catholic, you don't see the priest. There's like a, a, a shroud between you. And all of a sudden I realized it was my grade school principal. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Father Murphy. Oh, my God. And I started to pay attention. I'm like, you know what? He is really, really trying to help me. And he's really, really bad at it. (laughs) And what I started to realize was that I thought the Catholic Church, you know, I thought the Church expected me to be perfect, and when I couldn't be perfect, I left. But what I realized was I expected the Church to be perfect, and when the Church wasn't perfect, I left. That because Sister Helen embarrassed me in fourth grade, all nuns are jerks. Because some sick men touch some boys, all priests are evil. And I have to tell you, I'm not a practicing Catholic today, but I can go into any church, any synagogue, any mosque, any place of worship, and feel totally at peace. That's the gift that I got, is it I feel totally at peace. Another one, just to show you how these amends kind of cascade. And this was, a, this was an amends that... Um, Prior to doing the big book, I would go to a nine-step meeting in, in OA, and this would come up, and I would go to someone and say, I think I need to make an amends about this. And I'm like, oh, you don't need to make an amends. And then the next time I'd go to a nine-step meeting, I'd say, oh, I think something has to be done here. And I'm like, oh, no, you don't have to do anything with that. So what it was, was I worked at a Seven Eleven in college, and I was a pretty naive kid. And um, so looking back at it now, I realize the guy that, the franchise owner, was a real thief, and he had so many scams going. But one of them was we he taught us how to steal so if we wanted a hoagie he would say okay make a fresh hoagie but back day to two days put it in the write-off bin and you can have the hoagie for free you know if you want a candy bar rip the candy bar wrapper off put the wrapper into the write-off bin and you can have the free candy bar so everyone told me i don't know when amends my boss told me to do it but i looked at my fourth column where was i selfish dishonest self-seeking and frightened i knew it was wrong but see, I had this chip on my shoulder that if someone else is getting away, that I'm going to get it. I'm not going to be this sucker that's paying for food if everybody is, you know, everybody is getting it for free. So, yeah, I didn't owe this guy the money. I didn't know how to find him. I didn't owe 7-Eleven the money because it was rectified with his write-off process. But what, how was I going to make that right? So it meant, this is during the, the recession, too. So during my prayer, I said, well, I'm going to give food to this local food bank. And I called them up and asked them what they needed. And they were very low. And they, t- you know, I said, whatever you have in your pantry. said, no, no, I'm going to buy it. I said, what do you want me to buy? Well, they were so excited that I knew my ego was involved. And I could not be the one to give them that. <laughs> so I actually bought a bunch of food, had my father deliver it to the, to the bank. But I also knew I needed to feel it a little bit more. So after prayer, I decided I wasn't going to go out for six weeks. I was gonna, it was going to be a reminder to me. I mean, go out to eat, so that it was a reminder me of what, what I, um, you know, what I took out of the universe. From all the babysitting jobs, everything that I had done. You know, when someone says, oh, you can have whatever you want, that is a dangerous thing to tell a compulsive overeater. Um, so after I had, I had done that, I started to feel, you know, asking God, like, how can I still give back to this, to this universe? And it was in June, I remember, and um, I live in Mount Holly, so it's, it's a lot of, uh, it's very economically diverse let's put it that way and so in June I went there to the I, was, I had an extra paycheck it was a three paycheck month so I said well, let me give give to the food bank again and I went there this time and I said to them I said the shelves are awfully empty I said is this normal and she's like well yeah but this is a really scary time of the year and I'm like what do you mean and she's like well 70% of the kids in Mount Holly are on a free lunch program and with school coming out parents are scared because that they depend on that that lunch from school these kids aren't going to be eating and I'm like oh my god so I started to every other paycheck you know buy buy food and give it to the food bank and I had fun sometimes it would be Italian sometimes we have a lot of Hispanics in Mount Holly be Hispanic sometimes it would be breakfast sometimes it would be snacks and I was doing that and I still ask God you know like I want to feel this more tell me how I can feel this more and I shop at Aldi in Mount Holly and um so I'm packing up my, my stuff in, in the bags afterwards, and I see this little kerfuffle going on at the, at the uh, register. And I look over there, and I kind of walk over, and the girl's there using her EBT card, and she ran out, and she's trying to decide what food she has to put back because she doesn't have enough on her EBT card. Mm-hmm. So I went up to her, and I said, I said, can you do me a favor? And she's like, what? I said, I said, can you let me pay for the rest of it? No, 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 no. I said, no, please just let me because she had two kids crying in the cart and everything. And we just very nonchalantly... I paid for the rest of it and she just thanked me and I said well you know when you're in a better position just do the same for somebody else now I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back the reason I'm saying that is because I shop on Aldi all the time I am sure that's happened multiple multiple times the difference was because of prayer I noticed this girl and that's what this 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 process does it opens you up to that another example is I work at an auto auction and um I worked used to work on the Subaru account, and we would get free lunch tickets. Um, on, on, on the auctions on Wednesday, so we get free lunch tickets. Well, I, once I stopped working the the Subaru window, I, someone kept giving me the lunch tickets, so I was using the lunch tickets. And I started to realize I'm doing the same damn thing. I'm not entitled to this lunch ticket. Am I going to give my recovery away for six dollars? That's how much the thing was for. Now, once again, getting into prayer, as as, as Marie said, if I had gone to my company and said, "Here's money," for the, the lunches, I would have gotten this girl in trouble because she's not supposed to be giving me the lunch ticket. So what I got in prayer was the next time she gave it to me, I said, you know what, I decided I'm not going to do that. I'm not entitled to it because I'm no longer working the window, but I appreciate the offer. And then I, then I stopped. So it just shows you that when you, when you do these remands, what it does is it makes you realize in other areas of your life how you're doing the same exact thing. Now, the last example I want to give is we hear, a, we, you know, unfortunately we have a lot of sexual abuse in our fellowship. I personally do not have that. Um, but I wanted to give you an example of a beautiful amends that I heard because, once again, sometimes people think it's condoning. We're not condoning what happened. You know, like you were at fault for what happened as a child. Some people think it's about forgiveness. So this girl had called me and said, I, I was date-raped in college. And you're telling me, because I have to put this person on my eighth step list that I have to make an amends to my rapist? And I'm like, hell no. What is your fourth column? So we talked and this is just for her specifically. Her fourth column was this guy was a popular athlete and she was afraid of, you know, causing trouble where the team where he may get kicked off the team and that would affect the standing of the of the you know the, the team for her college. Um, that she didn't want anybody to know because she didn't want to be targeted as someone who was a rape victim. And the biggest thing was her fear that other girls were being hurt because she was staying silent. I said, okay, so that's your fourth column. How can you make amends for that? And we got quiet and we prayed. And she said, Kim, I know what I'm gonna do. She's like, I live in a college town. I'm gonna call the college and see if there's a rape crisis hotline. And I'm going to help give a voice to girls for when I didn't have a voice. I get chills every time I say that. So I just want to say that in a way that I think we sometimes in four and five, because we know nine's coming up, we decide we don't want to say certain things or we think we know how an amends is going to turn out. We have no idea. That's why we need those fourth step prayers in step nine to say the resentment, the sick man's prayers, say the fear prayer, say those relationship prayers. Because what I have found for myself, a lot with those relationship prayers, if I don't know how to make an amends to my mother, and I create an ideal of who I want to be as a daughter, well, what's my amends? My amends is my current behavior to what I think I should be as a daughter. And that gives me what I can do to make it right by practicing that difference between what I'm currently doing and who I want to be as a daughter.
0: Hmm. Let that all will pass beautiful I like your examples I like I, I think that that's really helpful for me um, so so in giving an example for myself this where my where my willfulness it's not my food addiction right it's my selfishness and my self-absorption has brought me with the fog of food addiction and alcoholism and other medications it was just a beautiful alloy, like Bill says, mm-hmm. right, uh, or the boomerang that strikes back and 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 uh, hits me what happens uh, it, what happens in my life is this 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 soul sickness that I have does not allow me to feel any joy, real joy, and I start seeking outside myself ways to feel good about myself, and it 's all about money, property, and prestige for me, so by the end of you know, before I walked into these rooms, I was bankrupt. I was bankrupt spiritually. I was bankrupt emotionally, and I was bankrupt physically. I had nothing. I lost my home. I lost a business. Um, These are just consequences. You know, it doesn't make me a food addict or an alcoholic. They're consequences from my selfishness and my self-centeredness. And and in that amends process, what I found in my harms was, you know, there were, th- there were things that I did financially to keep me from, to keep me looking good on the outside because I was feeling so badly on the inside. And also to, in the third step, it gives me very clear relationship with what, where I have to be with my higher power. He is the director, I am the actor. He is the uh, principal, I am the agent. He is the father slash mother I call it provider. I am the child. And in my life, I will mother and father everyone. If you have, what do you need? I got you. <coughs> you, you wanna live with me? Do you need money? Do you need what, Whatever you need, I have you. And it's not because I am this just wonderful person, Mother <laughs> Teresa, I'm self-seeking in my behavior. It makes me feel good to do that. It makes me feel important, like you can't live without me. And those amends were so hard for me. And I, like I told you, my sponsor just kept saying, what you? I'd say to him, Chris, I don't know how to make this amends. I, 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 I bankrupt. I can never pay back two mortgages and all this you know, debt, business debt. I can never pay that back because it would affect my husband, who was not responsible for that. Um, and he would say, "What are you asking me for? Just pray. It's going to come, right? It's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to come." He's like tired of hearing me. And I was, I was in a panic because I just wanted to make it right, and I couldn't. And uh, in prayer and meditation, really amazing things happen. I have learned just, just do God's work. Just do God's work because some things don't make sense. And in the, when you have twenty twenty vision, you look back. Everything makes sense. You see divine choreography. I am my husband uh you know I, I we've lost everything. We have to move and we land in South Jersey, South South Jersey, Woolwich Township. And uh all of a sudden I'm having furniture delivered and I'm feeling like I have no right to be sitting here propped up pretty like I just escaped disaster. And here I am, safe, protected and I've got furniture to live, being delivered, and I feel guilt, right? And there's something that's nudging me, and I go, I wanna call and see what my parish is. I am not a, Catholic, a practicing Catholic either, but you can't take the Catholic out of the yeah. girl, right? <laughs> and um, in, this, in this recovery, I am, I am studying St. Francis. I love everything about St. Francis. And more importantly, St. Claire is the sister nun to St. Francis, and she's all, she started an order called the Poor Sisters. And she's about, she's the original Reduce, Reuse, Recycle. And that's all, that's me, right? This is the new spiritually awakened Maria. I am just not taking anything out of the universe at all anymore. I'm just totally gun shy and changed. I'm changed. So I call the parish. I'm like, I wonder what my parish is. And I call, and don't you know, it's St. Clair of Assisi. And I am just like, wow that's kind of cool that it's St. Clair of Sissy and I'm getting a God wink and I call I send an email I just moved to the area I would love to be of service to your parish please let me know what, how I can be helpful I don't hear anything and I'm just doing what my sponsor says just keep on working with women just keep on working with women don't take the focus off yourself don't pay attention to yourself leave yourself alone and go work with women and that's what I'm doing and I'm praying and I'm meditating and I'm trying to figure out I don't have to figure out anything. I'm just trying to be patient. And uh, my son went into the Air Force. And he's my only son. I'm Italian. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But I'm missing my kid. I just think this is like this devastation. And the day after he left for basic training, I got a call from the church asking me if I was interested in helping with their food pantry. I mean not only was it a food pantry it was through St Vincent de Paul where you would go to homes and you would be able to sit with people that cannot pay their bills cuz they're having a hard time making ends meet and I could give them resources call this number call here's your gas and electric bill that'll be paid for you in this way here's how you get food here this is just unbelievable, an unbelievable experience for me that happened to me. I could never have fabricated that, never in a million years. I gambled my money, my, my family security, when I think about all that, and I, didn't ha- I don't have guilt over that because I didn't have a fighting chance. I'm a food addict, alcoholic, who has no selfish and self-centered to the core. I, I needed to have a spiritual awakening and this is just how it manifested in me. It doesn't happen like that for everyone. But it is so rich. And I continue. Now, now I have to move. My husband gets a job. This job's amazing. I don't have to work, right? That's that's not wasted on me, by the way. But here I am in a new place, right? And I'm still listening to my sponsor. You need to find a home group. You need to find women. You need to focus on other people. Because for me, to be in a new area, I'm in Virginia, I know no one. I know, I, I know nothing. I don't even know where I'm going. My GPS is on at all times, you know? I mean, talk about f- having faith. And um, this amends still needs to be made. And I see trucks everywhere, Loudon, Hungry Leaf, Loudon, Hungry Leaf. And I'm like, oh, it's not really related to a church. I don't know why I had a fixed idea about that, because that's how I entered in the last time. And finally, I just sent them an email. The woman calls me and she says, um, oh, my God, you're here. And I said, of course I'm here. And she said, "Um, I'm so happy that you're here. We have 300 people waiting to get in here. But when I call them, they don't show up. So I got this coveted position at the food bank in Loudoun County so I can continue. And let me tell you, this is not an easy gig for me. I went there. I had a realization a couple weeks ago. I went there thinking, this is so wonderful. I'm just going to feed the world. Oh, my gosh. They're going to be so humble, and they're going to be so grateful. (laughs) This is not my experience. God is teaching me patience, tolerance, kindness, and love with the most impatient, intolerant, unkind, unloving people because they're in pain. They're in pain. There's mentally ill people there's there's you know there's nothing like being abused by mentally ill people i've never experienced it before and i'm I, and here I am here I am i'm going because this is what i'm just turned over i am I am god's daughter and he's got work for me to do but you know you think that these events are going to make you feel better they don't always make me feel better they don't always make because i'm still selfish to the court right i've got agendas i've got totally clear ideas about how people are going to act in the world, right? Here I am directing again. But um, my hardest amends to make for me was to my husband. And I'll tell you why. I did not have any clue as to how I was going to stop doing the shit that I was doing to him. You know, I had no idea. And you know why? My sponsor said, you're powerless. <laughs> You're right. You're still going to be an asshole. You're still going to do that. You're still going to, you know, just be insensitive and inconsiderate. And that, the one thing my sponsor has given me is the permission to be human. This is not about perfection. It's just about me doing doing the best that I can with what I've given and turning over self-abandonment. And I've got this beautiful eight and nine to clean it up if I need to clean it up, you know. But um, what Kim said is 100%. If I'm having a personal relationship problem, I can find my issue directly in my sex conduct inventory. And sometimes people change, situations change. My son went into the Air Force. He is a new person. He is an adult. He's trying to adult, you know. (laughs) So I'm the mother of an almost adult. I had to rewrite my my relationship conduct ideal with my son and pray for those roles that God can get, help me, you know, meet them, meet these expectations of what the mother that God intends me to be to an adult son, not what I think. Um, the wife that God intends me to be with my husband because this is a new role for me. I've always worked. You didn't have to do anything for me. I was super self-sufficient. And now I am in this, this is another amends I judged women that stayed home horrendously, horrendously, like they had no worth because of my fixed ideas about what a woman should be. You know, you'll never catch me cleaning, and cooking, and taking and dry cleaning. I do that with pleasure today. <laughs> pleasure! Oh my gosh, it's a pleasure for me to do this for my husband. Who would have thought? That's a psychic change. That didn't happen. I couldn't do that on my own, it happened to me. But those revisiting your your relationship conduct every time I'm on the phone with Kim doing a ten step and I'm having a relationship problem, you know we remind each other all the time right whats what's that what's are you what's your ideals like? Did you revisit those lately? Maybe it's time to revisit those mm. Call me back, tell me what you get and <laughs> and then we pray, you know we pray because everything leads back to I'm powerless over this stuff I really truly am, but this um you know talking about. Nine. the hardest part for me with my husband was how do I not do these things, right? So one of the things that I saw in my fourth column was almost like an invisibility for him. Like, I, you know, he can walk in the door and I am on the phone with sponsees, and that's more important, mm-hmm. right? Dinner's not made. I'm doing step work constantly with women, right? It's all real noble, right? But I'm not taking care of my home. I'm not taking care of the person that's that means the most to me. So what does that look like for me? I had, I find out all these things in that in how I'm selfish, inconsiderate. It tells you on eighty two, it says the alcoholic is like a tornado, roaring my way through the lives of others, drunk or sober, mm-hmm. in the food. Or I do more damage when I'm sober, honest to God. Because mm-hmm. when I'm in the food or or you know the other things that I use, <laughs> I'm unconscious. I don't, I'm I don't know, not really getting in a lot of. I'm not really a tornado. I'm more like a blob. Lob. Hearts are broken, sweet relationships are dead, affections are, have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits kept the home in t- turmoil. And that's what I'm looking for in my fourth step in that sex conduct inventory. How have I been selfish and inconsiderate? So some of the things that I've found, the ways that I was selfish and inconsiderate may seem subtle, but they're everything to him. I wasn't giving my husband you know, uh, home court advantage. He would walk into his own home and I'm just not present Um, He's not important. He's not feeling like he's even a part of anything. I'm making decisions sober. So I had to take all those things. I made a list, and then I turned them around and asked God to help me. When I am with a sponsee, I do, or even if I'm home, I don't pick up the phone or I make sure I'm off the phone. My husband's like clockwork. He comes in at 530. He's so predictable. (laughs) I make sure 5 o'clock, I'm done. It's time to start doing another prayer meditation, shifting gears for the next half of the day, and, and being this wife that God intends me to be. You know, am I a friend? Do, do I ask him how his day is? It's a, it's, It becomes a habit then, and then I wanna do it more because it feels good. It feels, it's not so self-absorbed, uh, <laughs> The worst thing I can do is think about me. Um, so then we have our second nine-step prayer, And this is about family, right? This long period of reconstruction is ahead. I must take the lead. I've got to get out in front of these amends. I can't let them, they will drive right over me from behind. I won't even be paying attention that I have amends to make and they'll just sideswipe me. So I take the lead, I get out in front of them. A remorseful mumbling that I am sorry will not fit the bill. I ought to sit down with the family and frankly, analyze the past as we now see it. I now see it differently. I don't think of myself as a, um, as a doormat when I am being a wife, you know, and by the way, what's wrong with being a doormat, you know, some of our greatest religious leaders were doormats, right, mm-hmm. I mean, it's different kind of mindset now, so being very c- careful not to, cri- oh, yeah, being very careful not to criticize them, his defects might be glaring, but chances are my own actions are partly responsible, I'd say that they're wholeheartedly responsible, <laughs> So I clean house with the family, and every morning I say this prayer. I've got a lot of families, by the way. I've got an AA family, I've got an OA family, I've got, you know, my family family. So asking each morning in meditation that my creator show me, because I don't know the way, I need to be shown the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love. Um, It says that the spiritual life is not a theory, we have to live it, which means to me... There's always action to take. I can't be sitting thinking from a spiritual mountaintop, reading spiritual books, you know, absorbing myself in, you know, all kinds of ridiculousness that that is helping me grow. But it's not really I'm not with my fellows. I've got to live this this making demonstration. It's called some people in the program call it a living amends. And my sponsors like that's assuming that you can go out and live differently you know you there's no finding balance my my job is to be in harmony so you know it's constantly um turning myself over to that and um
1: can I talk to the, living amends
0: Absolutely okay so
1: I'm the kind of gal I'm always looking for the loophole <laughs> I'm looking for that loophole and living amends is not in the big book at all So what I thought living amends was I don't want to embarrass myself and like <laughs> tell you what i did wrong but i'm just going to be a good person from now on and then that's that's good enough mm-hmm. and that's kind of what this guy in the tornado is saying don't know what, don't see what the matter's wrong here Molly. the wind stopped blowing you know just going to ignore all the tornado i'm just going to try to, to act like nothing's going on mm-hmm. and also too yes there is a long period of reconstruction ahead we must take the lead so I always use this example for myself. I come from a large Irish Catholic family, so we would all get together at Thanksgiving, and I'm towards the younger of my cousins, and they would make fun of me and tease me and make me cry. And I was just so upset and heartbroken. And then we'd get together at Christmas, and they'd be nice and wonderful for me, and I'm like, why the hell aren't you acknowledging how you treated me in Thanksgiving? How dare you just be nice to me now? Isn't that what a living amends I'm saying? I'm going to treat you like crap for 30 years. <laughs> I'm not going to acknowledge it. I'm just going to be a good person now. So, no, we have to, we have to take the lead. We have to say, that, say what we did wrong. I know f- I, for those of you a certain age, Fonzie, I was r- 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 wrong. That's, like, the hardest thing to say. And then... I expect to take a long period. It's along the lines here. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 20, 20 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic out of anyone. Yes. I've been in my, my company for 19 years. I've been recovered for nine years. So my boss has basically known me as almost as long in relapse as she has in recovery she still gives me the side eye in meetings once in a while. She's waiting for me to stir that pot. She's waiting for me to be that little gossip, the one who causes trouble. I can't blame her, that's who I was for 10 years under her. So I have to be consistent in my behavior. So living amends doesn't mean you ignore what you did, but every amends is a living amends in the sense that I am saying now who I'm going to be, and I have to do that consistently. The example I often use for our, for our area is Superstorm Sandy. You know, what that did to our Jersey Shore was unbelievable, and that was around Halloween. And I remember in January when the Congress was discussing how much money that they were gonna give us, and people from Kansas and Texas and California were like, that happened three months ago. Why do you need money now? And it was years, years, and the, and the shore will never be the same. Don't I do that? Oh, I treated you like crap. Just get over it. Don't you know I'm skinny? Aren't you just happy that I lost weight? And that's what we do. So I have to realize that this amends process is an ongoing process, but I need to let people know how I treated them. Think about how that feels for you. When someone comes up to you and says, I'm sorry that I hurt you. I want to acknowledge how I treated you poorly and how that makes you feel and that's what we're doing for somebody else we're letting them know i was wrong to disrespect you i was wrong to treat you poorly that is a powerful powerful thing to do
0: the other the other thing the other example of oh, someone... one,
1: one more thing too mm-hmm. when it says here this spiritual life is not a theory we have to live it and i have written in there and i remember hearing a speaker say that reading the steps is not doing the steps agreeing with the steps is not doing the steps. Discussing the steps is not doing the steps. Analyzing the steps isn't doing the steps. Criticizing the steps isn't doing the steps. What we're saying we have to live it is we have to do the steps. And that really hit me because I realized that I was in meetings discussing and criticizing and analyzing the steps for years, wondering why I wasn't getting relief because I wasn't actually doing the steps. I wasn't taking the action
0: specific in this book. Mm -hmm. the other uh, couple of amends that were really important to me were the people that had passed away Mm -hmm. the people that did before I did my fourth step I could have given you a dissertation on the harms that these people had done me and all of a sudden I had this awakening of the daughter that I was to my father the granddaughter that I was to my grandparents and how do you do that I remember sitting um, graveside with my dad and making that amends and did not feeling any freedom. I didn't feel any freedom about that. Um, something happened. I must have heard somebody. My dad, I didn't have any connection to, to, to the gravesite. So when I was um, still living in this area, I took the opportunity and I actually drove to my grandparents' old house where I spent a lot of time with my family and I parked out front and that's where I made this amends and um, it was powerful. I was able to make amends to my grandfather, my grandmother, my father sitting in my car in in the childhood, my, my childhood, their home, but where I spent my childhood. And um, the amends, I know... I got relief because when I think about those people it's not with anger. Mm. You know, I I spent years of sobriety being still so angry like crucifying these people that I they were it was never going to make it right. It was never going to be right and feeling that feeling like, "Oh my god, my biggest regret is it could have been different, but they were the way they were." You know, and uh the beautiful thing about that is When we move forward in this process, my son will never know some of that behavior because it's been relieved in me. I did not have to carry on that pattern of dysfunction and and brutal abuse, (coughs) mental abuse. I didn't have to carry that on. He doesn't know any of that. It's almost like generation after generation of generation of behavior stopped with the 12-step recovery in me. That's beautiful. He'll my grandchildren will never know that that's great thank you god right so um there's more beautiful posturing here on page 83 we should be sensible tactful considerate and humble without being servile servile or scraping as god's people we stand on our feet we don't crawl before anyone um that business that i lost i had an employee that was going to crucify me and she's probably still crucifying me until the day she dies it wasn't her way she didn't want it to happen she lost her livelihood i get it i tried to make amends to her on multiple occasions she would not receive this amends so for me in a spiritual sense i make amends to her constantly in the way i think about her you know uh, I know somewhere in some salon I'm being talked about, <laughs> you know, but that's okay. That's okay. And I can leave her alone. I remember, um, my, you know, my spouse was saying, well, did you make, did you call her? Did you make an appointment? Did you? And, you know, after three times, I was done. I was done because as God's child, I do not crawl before anyone. If she doesn't want it from me, I cannot give it to her. And And she's got to be okay with the amends that she didn't get from me, and I have to be okay with the amends that I couldn't deliver. Sometimes I have to be okay with those, those (coughs) amends I can't deliver, as well as the ones that I'm not getting, you know? My father couldn't make amends to me. My grandparents couldn't make amends to me. But I have to be okay with that. Forgiveness. This whole program is about forgiveness. The whole thing is about forgiveness, but... I like that because, again, we're not here about with perfection. We're here for progress. Progress, not perfection. Um, the promises come through, and, and the amazing part about this is this timeline is I'm going to be amazed before I'm halfway through. Halfway through what? Halfway through the nine-step amends. I started feeling free in this process. I got a little... Um, unblocked in step five, I really had an experience in step five. It was amazing for me. I saw myself clearly for the first time in my life and because some of those blockages were becoming um, so tr- so clear and I knew it was bullshit now, I didn't have to like adhere myself to all that, you know, those lies, the delusional thinking, I was able to start experiencing the power coming in and through. I was no longer judging myself so much so I didn't have to judge you. Mm. Um, I I realized in that fourth step the biggest thing that was that I was constantly uh separating myself from my fellows. I was always either better than you or I was worse than you. I was never just one human being on earth, oh, another wave in the ocean. I couldn't just be a wave in the ocean. I had to be like the most important biggest wave or I was like, "Oh my god, I'm just a little wave and I'm going to get pummeled by everybody else," you know? And now, you know, now I know that we're all made up of that same energy. So there's no difference there's no separation between us not that i don't judge believe me this is an ongoing process for me like this judgment nancy knows nancy's shaking her head because i call her with my 10 steps she knows i'm just gonna mention one thing because someone said to me if you want to know what powerless feels like and
1: since we're all on the east coast is stand in the ocean and put your hand out and try to stop a wave i just thought that was a beautiful like representation that's what i'm like when all this stuff is coming at me just put my hand out in the Atlantic Ocean and say, "Okay, I'm going to stop this wave." That's powerless.
0: So the beautiful nine-step promises are coming, which are really just what happens when I'm unblocked, right? Uh, this is these are things that that happen, and I'm going to let Kim talk about the promises and and how they happen for us when we're when we're in the food too. You want to talk about that? Well, we only have two minutes,
1: so. Um, Talk about whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll just, tell you, I'll just tell you two things. Just before we're halfway through, I just think this is funny because I'm a numbers girl. I'm actually an accountant. But I read, we said these promises at the end of every meeting. It was never described to me as a, as a nine-step promise. But what was hit over the head with me over and over again was to do a 90 and 90. So I thought these happened at day 45. Mm. No, like that's what I thought. I'm halfway through the 90, 90. Ooh, why aren't these things happening? We hear what we want to hear. Exactly. <laughs> um, but the other thing is that just a cautionary tale. When we feel these processes we're halfway through. So many people stop making the amends mm. because I have the freedom now. Why should I finish the amends? And I say the number one reason I see people relapse, or one of the top reasons I say, is because they they didn't finish their amends. And I'm the kind of person that if I'm getting the results, why the hell should I do
0: any more work? So um, the enemy of the best is sometimes the good. Yeah. Good enough. It's good enough. And then I'm not getting the full, you know, effect of this spiritual awakening that I'm promised.
1: And I'm going to disagree with the big book where it says, are these extravagant promises? We think not. I think they are. I think these are extravagant promises. You know, and um, actually, why don't you talk about the thing about the food? What it gave you? We only have a, we only have a minute or so. Well, I
0: think I I think what they're saying when they say are these extravagant is that if I am uncovering the yeah, the soul much. the spirit that I was meant to be before I got blocked up with fear and dishonesty and selfishness and so self, this is what would my normal default would be right. So it's not extravagant. It's I think Bill's saying like you can expect to receive this because this is our birthright no one's intended here to be miserable you know so i don't know kim's going to disagree but that's okay um we love doing that with each other (laughs) um but uh you know this uselessness this feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear I never. I thought I was so useful. Oh my! Look at me. Look who I am. You know. Look what I'm doing for my family. I'm gonna uh, hire all these women. I'm gonna give them a way to make, like, make a living. Like, so, such God playing in my life. You know. Uh, I've never felt as useful as I as I do when I'm sitting with somebody at my dining room table, and they are waking up. Hmm. Uh, that's. Oh, put me to work. Put me to work. It's the most exciting. I am an effects-driven woman. If you do not replace the effect that I get from food and my other substances, I am not staying here. I will not stay here. I'm going to stop it.
1: I'm afraid I'll be able to look at it. Okay. Okay.